Welcome to the Tech UK podcast. I'm Sophie James, Head of Telecoms and Spectrum Policy here at Tech UK. This month's episode explores the topic of private networks for enterprise, specifically how we can accelerate the deployment of private networks from beyond the testbed phase and drive adoption across industry and the public sector. I will be speaking to Mike Kennett from Freshwave, Tech UK member and a supplier of connectivity infrastructure as a service. But first of all, catch up with the recent conversation I had with Cellnex, Nokia and Cisco on some of those lessons, how we can effectively communicate the benefits of private networks, and crucially, some of the challenges to overcome as we scale adoption and increase demand. So delighted to be joined on this episode of the Tech UK podcast uh, by Catherine Gull from Cellnex, Simon Parry from Nokia and Des O'Connor from Cisco. And I'll just now hand over to, to each of our guests to give a bit of an overview on what they do and yeah, their understanding and insight and passion for private networks. So if I may kick off, uh, Catherine, over to you. Thank you, Sophie. Um, so I'm Catherine Gull and I am head of business development and partners with Cellnex UK. And my experience and passion about private networks come from, comes from about eight years of working with private networks. I started eight years ago with another very small company that had a lot of spectrum. And we were able to deploy what we think is one of the UK's first true private networks at Heathrow Airport. And Heathrow Airport press released it as the first airport with a private network back in 2014, something like that. And since then, um, coming completely green to a market that really wasn't there, I have realized what an awesome experience, awesome opportunity for enterprise the private networks are, and even more so what a great opportunity 5G is. So I'm really thrilled to be here. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Catherine. Uh, Simon, to you next, please. Hi. Uh, so, so thanks. Thanks, Sophie. So uh, I'm Simon Parry. I'm the CTO for Nokia's Enterprise Group uh, for the UK and Ireland. And my experience and passion with private networks is uh, I've been with Nokia the very short length of time of just over two years. Um, so I'm very much a newcomer to this space. My, my background is in fiber optics and things buried in the ground. And I'm now dealing with things hidden in, in dark corners in cupboards in places. Um, but Nokia has been doing it for longer, far longer. And we're currently running at a run rate of about one private network a day globally um, is about wow. the rate the rate that we're, we're, we're going. So it's, it's a really hot business that has suddenly it's that moment that have come together that regulators have found spectrum, device available, cores are available. Suddenly everything's come together and now is the interesting and exciting moment. And so I've been busy and, and during lockdown, I had the, the fun and games of being our installation engineer. Uh, because we couldn't fly anyone in outside the the, the 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 country, so so I can put hand on heart of I have installed and built several private five G networks uh, around the UK, complete <laughs> with with uh, you know had to come by safety boots, um, and all the rest of it. So yes, we're very busy and uh, very excited uh, about the space that we find ourselves in. Fantastic, thanks, Simon and Des. Over to you. Hi, yeah, my name's Des O'Connor. I'm from Cisco. I'm in the global part of our business. I'm responsible for um, for developing the business of private 5G um, and in general um, mobility as well. And of course, because it's Cisco, um, obviously the concept of private networks means more than 5G. You know, we, we sell LoRaWAN and, and Wi-Fi. And so we're, we're probably doing an even greater number per day, I guess, Simon, <laughs> but um, but not all private 5G because you've only just launched our private 5G solution um, in World Congress this year. Um, my background's in the, the mobile phone world, so I've been working, developing products um, for most of my career, actually, so um, I've, I've been working in more or less a long time. Amazing. Thanks, Des. Uh, yeah, and just to reiterate, really pleased that we're all here together uh, today to talk about private networks. I think, you know, the moment is now. Uh, Simon touched on that. You know, it's it's a really exciting time. And I think that uh, we're looking at the kind of end of this testbed phase. We've had the 5G testbeds and trials program, lots of proof of concepts. Whilst it's not new, with Catherine's experience touching on that, um, 
I think as we go now and look to the future, what do you think some of these lessons that we've learned up to this point, you know, maybe Des, can I come to you first with your some of your Cisco experience on those test beds and trials? What were some of the key lessons? Oh, so many. I mean, I've, I've been involved in a few, but only recently have I got involved in test beds around private 5G. Okay. And that's the kind of, that's the 5G drive project with um, Virgin Media 02 and, and some of the other partners there. Um, but but in, in general, they're, um, what, what, what are the key lessons? I guess that the technology is difficult and sometimes we launch some of these test beds and trials too early. Like the, one of the first ones, there was no 5G equipment and you know it was, a, it was the first set of 5G trials and people were trying to magic up kit that haven't really been invented yet. And so, you know, we've definitely moved away from that now. But but for me, the key lesson is you've you've got to you've got to turn you've got to turn these test beds and trials into something that's got genuine learning behind it and that's got the the opportunity to have a business case underneath it so that these things can can move forward after the test beds. Yeah, nice. Thanks. Thanks, Des. Uh, Catherine or Simon, you wanted to share some of your lessons for where sure. we are with these test beds. Yeah, Catherine? Absolutely. So the, I think that some of the lessons learned, learned are, I think when we went into this two, three years ago, we thought it was going to be impossible. We thought mm -hmm. it was going to be impossible because there wasn't going to be the kit there, there wasn't going to be um, the the intelligence and and the learning there. And I think what we found when we look back is that we created that. We created, we found the hardware to make the 5G testbed work, um, the actual RAN and the core. We adapted those things in order to make the, the, the use cases worked. And moreover, we created user equipment. And sometimes we created it in the back of a lab at a university somewhere. And, and you know, so it really, the drive to make it work was there and it did work. That's mm. that's one of the things. So I think creativity is 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 definitely a thing that I think we learned out of out of this. And and then the fruits that it yielded and, and the benefits that it yielded, I think were beyond what people actually expected. Amazing. Simon, what are your thoughts on on that and the creativity piece? Uh, I think the thing that we forgot was that the UK was different. And and because, because we've been busy building private networks around the world, we thought we got the hang of it. We've done a lot of 4G networks and 4G and 4G and 4G and 4G around the world in all sorts of places, in all sorts of countries, spectrum from all sorts of places. And it hadn't really happened in the UK. And then along comes Ofcom and invents this new license type, the shared access spectrum license. And, find some bits of spectrum down the back of a sofa somewhere and 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 offers them up. And we go, great, that's wonderful. And it's all 5G and everything. And there's a reason why it was stuffed down the back of the sofa, which is which is the fact that that you know the frequencies involved and, and the bands that involved weren't being used, which hit that chicken and egg thing both Catherine and Des have talked about, is that is that you hit that thing that because there's no one else is using it, no one's building anything for it. And you've got to try and unpick this a uh, vicious circle and try and drive it into a virtuous circle as to as to and and it's bringing it you need all the bits and it was almost like starting from scratch with a brand new technology and everything but, but when we and to this point yet yeah, a lot of it all the early ones and 5g went a bit wrong for the fact that we kind of assumed that it was just the same as 4g and forgot that not all the bits of the puzzle just because you've done a base station, just because you know a core, just because you've done a phone, doesn't actually fix the entire end-to-end -end problem. And it's probably taken us a year to 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 get that. As you know, hacking together bits, bits of creativity, um, bits of cable ties, and and things. And so the trials, you know, so th there's a real range of 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 outcomes as Des was mentioning, that, that, that come from essentially where you intercepted, you know, did you have all the bits for your use case or did you not? Thanks, Simon. That's that's a really good point. Um, and it certainly, you know, the 5G test beds and trials program, it got us to a good place. And yeah, lots of learnings there to be shared. I think as we look now, now we've made that, pro that progress, 
user equipment is there. As Simon's touched on, that the the spectrum is there, and you know we're looking at new generation technology like Wi-Fi six. I'm sure Des would want to talk about that. What do you think we can do to to scale adoption? So how can we talk to all businesses of all sizes across the entire UK nations and regions? How can we scale that adoption of private networks and and really increase demand in different sectors? I, I guess I'll go. So how how do we scale? Well, first of all. Um, what we did with UK 5G was amazing. And I think that word has to get out even further. And I know that, um, you know, the, the the UK 5G organization is doing everything they possibly could in all of the, the, the different sectors to educate of, about 5G and about private 5G and what it can do for a business. Um, profoundly, I believe that um, private networks and private 5G is transformative for enterprise in so many ways because it helps address a variety of things including you know being able to create more business continuity control around business continuity being able to manage safety and um and actually even being able to manage what's going on in the in the environment whether it's how how the ducks are impacted by airplanes to you know emissions that are going on whether it's in a port or in a manufacturing plant etc and it also helps overall to address you know the people that are coming out into the job market today and the jobs that they want to do um so how do we how do we address that so i think um again it's it's by really getting out there and talking about it helping um, businesses understand what the benefits are to their business and how spending this money on creating a private network is a game changer for their business. Yeah, it's interesting. I, when, when I think about test beds and trials, I think of the kind of the top of a pyramid, you know, that single block on the top, which is the test beds and trials. And then underneath that, there's a layer of vendors and, and, and universities and all of them partners who, who belong in, in the kind of test bed and trial sets of partnerships. Then you've got underneath that, from a scale effect, you've got service providers. And then underneath that, even the grin, you've got a, a, a wider range of partners in general or, or resellers. And then underneath that, you've got all of the enterprises and consumers of, of, of this stuff. So that, that to say that to get from the top of that pyramid all the way down to all of them blocks in the bottom of the pyramid, you've got to enable service providers and partners in general, particularly for private enterprise. Um, and so, you know, we're working on approaches where we say, you know, how do we build this in a way that partners can be involved and that they're kind of key and fundamental to it so they can address the vertical industries directly and that they're, you know, they're adding their own value add on top of these networks. And, and, and by the way, these networks, in my opinion, at least, they've got to be more than 5G. Um, they've, they've got to be totally integrated into everything else that the enterprise does, never mind the partner. And so the enterprise cares about Wi-Fi, of course. They care about policy. They care, they care about what's the end outcome. So if I configure a policy that's got to have a certain security segment or quality of service, whether that's a tablet with a, a Wi-Fi connection yeah. Or, an, or an OT machine that's kind of laser cutting something, you know, they might be part of that same overall use case and therefore they need access, you know, the IT manager or the OT manager needs access to the same sets of tools to deploy them policies consistently. So, so you know, if you come from the ground up and look at what the enterprises actually want, you, you build the networks in a certain way and then and therefore you're enabling these vertical ecosystems to build out better, I think. Yeah, great point, Des. I think that's something that Tech UK would certainly echo in terms of our work on private networks. Is and Catherine's touched on it and summarised it beautifully. You know, you go re user requirements first, and then understand how it all integrates and works. You know, backwards then, and then coming to the technology solution. Uh, Simon, is that something you would agree with? Oh, very much so. You know, you, you can dig out the very old adage of of you know you, you, that people don't buy um, drill bits. They, they, they buy a hole in the wall you know it's, it's you're looking for the outcome you know and and how you actually do it and des is utterly on on the money which is you know there's a whole bag of technology out there and to an extent most of the users don't care they want the outcomes they want a reliable network they want a secure network one with policies on it no matter what the underlying technology is 
what I'll, what I'll probably extend that to is if you go and talk to enterprise IT people, enterprise OT people, they're very, very comfortable and very familiar with technologies they know, like Wi-Fi. Sure. But often some of the new technologies, whether it's LoRa, whether it's some of the other IoT things, whether it's private 4G, private 5G, they generally don't know they can have it. They, it, there's there's a real thing of of you know I love going and talking to customers and, and end customers because it's really rare that you go and actually genuinely tell someone something they didn't know they could do yeah. and uh, whatever it is in this bag of things and you know Catherine was absolutely right talking about use cases but if you go and actually have a really good conversation with the right people in the customer you propose some ideas and some use cases yeah they'll come back with fifty. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's kind of weird that you actually have to try and damp down everyone's excitement that not, you know, it's not quite that good. Um, because I hate to say it, you know, one of, whereas in the world of Wi-Fi, in the world of LoRa, there's a fairly short time scale between when the standards are done and the devices become available and things. In the world of 3GPP, in the world of cellular, there's seven, eight years between when people start talking about it. And if you look at the charts talking about 5G, they're still talking about one millisecond. They're still talking about 10 gig data rates. They're still talking mm -hmm. about millions of years. These are things that are still not available in any of the chipsets, in any of the parts, in any of, of, of the things. You know, there's the, it, it's, it's a really odd industry as an outsider, as a newcomer to this industry, as, as just the gap between what when something is announced and when it you know starts to permeate consciousness and you know with the industry starts to talk about 6g and occasionally we'll talk about 7g if you really you know in, in quiet corners and we are only a fraction of the way through five it, it's it, yeah it, and it really does we don't help ourselves we really really confuse the end customers because all they want is an outcome you know as i was thinking about that question a little bit more on, it, it, it kind of crossed my mind that um, you know these things have got to be easy to consume, and and so by consume I mean you know you don't you don't want to be giving your end customer you know fifteen different SKUs that that they've got to understand one about sessions, one about gigabits, one about I don't know you know your charging gateway function or your or your SMF license. You know, frankly, if they hear about an SMF or a P gateway or a UPF. Any of this 3GPP acronyms that we all know and love, we've got yeah. it wrong. And so, so you know, so we're we're trying to design this stuff so that it's easy to consume, easy to operate, and easy to monetize from a partner's point of view. But what that really means is it's as a service. It's you know it, we've wrapped the whole thing up so that they you know you, you can't see that there's, a, that there's a a UPF and an AMF and all these things. Um, it's it's just something that we're dealing with, and they get on with their business, which is monitoring and managing an SLA, understanding where the radio is and where the coverage is and what their devices are doing. They need to know what's going on with their devices, um, but you know, not have to care about all of that other nonsense in the middle. So oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you, we we love a good six-letter acronym. We do. <laughs> I I would take that one step forward, Des, and I would say what they care about is that their goods on their site get from point A to point B, that their vehicles on their site to get from point A to point B, that their people on their site know what to do next and that they communicate and that they're safe. That's all they care about. One of my very favorite early customers that I had in private networks, I said jokingly that if I had delivered to him four tin cans and string and it did the job, he'd have been happy because it, it, it did the job. It's a slightly <laughs> weird world where the greatest compliment you can be given is, oh, yeah, I'd forgotten about you. <laughs> <laughs> because everything's just been quietly to your point Des everything's just been getting on with it and allowing people to, to do their business because you've taken all the complexity you know nothing's gone wrong nothing's things it's just done what they expect it to do it, it's it's kind of nice to be boring yeah and I guess I guess the answer is we've got to tell people about what 
the private network can do from them, but it really has to be in the language that they use and not mm -hmm. in our language. That's kind of the lesson that I got out of this little part of the conversation. And it has to be very much based on how it can change their business, but not what 3GPP or what release 16 or 17 or 18 mm -hmm. or you know, all the other predicted releases is going to do for them. It's what is it going to do for them today and how does it transform their business? And the, one of the, you know, as Simon said, I go and tell them, hey, you could do a private mobile network. And they go, <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, and then you show how it works. And that's kind of like, boom, wow, never knew that could happen. Never knew you know, on a very basic level, private networks is about connectivity, frankly. Mm -hmm. And and I like to say it's about connectivity, connectivity where you want it, when you want it, how you want it, or, and for whom or who you want it. And so yeah. it is getting connectivity into that corner consistently for the guy who keeps walking by that corner, whatever it is, or for the vehicle that keeps going by that particular curve. You know, we, we want to, we want we're striving to be as exciting as a piece of cat six cable. <laughs> I'll have you know that does excite me. Uh, no, 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 Des, you and me both, but we are weird, and, and that, you know we are we are not normal humans, and therefore that's fine. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're all, we're all echoing. It, it, it's this excitement and frustration simultaneously that that, that we know it's cool, but we let our excitement get to us. Yeah, and 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 and. We want to show off just how cool we're being when actually the outcome is moving bits around in an utterly reliable manner. So Absolutely. coming back coming back to what Sophie started this with though, mm. what, what do you guys think about um you know enabling sharing of networks as um as a key driver to increasing you know increasing the amount of the, the networks that are appearing in this country? By that, I mean, you know, whether it's jots or mocking or roaming, whatever that is, do, do you think that's going to be a significant driver? I think I think it could be, but I really think that it, it's really, I think private networks is really driven by a couple of things. It's being able to have what you want, where you want it, when you want it, and to control what's on it. And the, the inherent quality of a sharing means that that puts, puts some of that at risk. Now, I think in certain scenarios, in certain, let's call it, campuses where there are many stakeholders, yeah. then sharing in that way is sensible. And, and when we've done it, I've done it where it's sharing, but it's sharing in a, in a manner that doesn't um, jeopardize maybe the principled owner of it and and you know it's mocking is something that um we're looking at in in, in uh, a couple of our uh, countries as well for certain scenarios that where it makes sense simon what do you think on on sharing uh like des it's a really and from a global perspective not just a uk one but from a global sure. perspective this idea of sharing public and private networks and mixing the two and doing some sort of side by side whether it's mocking or another technology hugely appealing for all concerned and then somebody tries to write a contract yes. and, and all of the problems around it are the commercial legal of you know when it has a bad day who fixes it and who responsible for it and um, different countries are very complex regulatory environments you know the, the uk one is that well what frequency to use because the four mobile operators in the in the uk have to use their own frequencies and if you start to try and look at these sharing type networks and jots is a classic example that's four radio layers you need so so the complexity of the external factors of all the world around mobile means that sharing is really hard, even if everybody wants to do it. Mm. There's, a there's a paradox in there. Yeah. Is it, what, Des, you brought the subject. What, what's, what's, how, how are you seeing it? I, I'm, I'm desperately excited to make sharing work, regardless of the technology or the architectural construct. You know, we, yeah. we've kind of done it with Wi-Fi. And, you know, we solved some of the problems there that, that, you know, where it wasn't automatically onboarding and we've put technologies into standards that can do that. And I just feel like we've got to get, 
you, you know, and we've solved it with public to public, right? With with roaming. So I just think I think it's a problem worth solving. And and you know, in terms of sort of Wi-Fi sharing and things, you know, the the, the big roaming things of, of of you know, it's work done by JISC and you know behind Eduroam and getting you know, there's a real trailblazer that one organisation just <coughs> drove a de facto standard and something that worked so ridiculously well that lots of other people are, are, are adopting it in parallel to the standards activity that you know there, there was a, a single entity that managed to grab it and drive it and that's almost what we need with this that of someone to grab it and push it forwards in the face of the regulatory commercial legal complexities to get yeah. it going and then there's a model that we just clone and copy and and, and rubber stamp so so absolutely agreed that that you know there's a real pent-up demand there's lots of aspiration and you know i was saying about the fact when, you, when you're talking to customers to calm them down the thing that everybody gets very overexcited about is sharing and you're just like yeah <laughs> we're, we're a little way off that yet um but we can you know it can be made to work um there's all kinds of 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 projects where 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 we've you know uh, yeah, we've you know the, the the classic case being being the London Underground that has taken um, twenty years of 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 arguing, um, yeah. and we're just now starting to roll out connectivity um, down through the tunnels. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks, Simon, and and great question, Des. I think you touched on something I wanted to just you know ask your opinions on in terms of what other challenges are there. Do you think that we need to that are in the face of scaling adoption and increasing demand is there a spectrum is it understanding that global picture when it comes to private networks in the uk what do you think we still need to solve as we are at this you know moment in time 2022 well i'm going with that one the discussion we just had kind of plays very yeah. well as you say mm -hmm. to um to that particular one i think problem worth solving and sure. you know there are definitely solutions on the way and it's an exciting space because it's difficult and difficult things are fun, particularly when it crosses many different many different estates, meaning, you know, that, as you said, um, uh, Simon, there's legal issues, there's regulatory issues, there's contractual, there's a whole bunch of technology issues. And, and then there's the issues of, you know, what, what happens in the device ecosystem? The, you know, can you do that in the standards or can you go out of standards to do it? It's a, it's a fascinating area. Um, what about cost of networks and explaining that to your customers in offer. terms of business models, you know, business case for customers to build their yeah. business case? What, what do you see that as a, you know? Well, I think, that, I think there's two TAMs or t addressable markets. There's the, the first addressable market, which yeah. I think, you know, for example, you know, all of these guys on this call are all over, which is the, the initial, you know, deeply important use cases that, you know, the money is no object. If I can do this on that device or with that person, I can pay a million pounds and it's affordable. I think the second TAM or addressable market comes with the kind of, I think you mentioned it earlier, Catherine, the, the kind of campus, you know, when we start, when we see it become affordable at the campus, it will get there, but it won't. It doesn't necessarily have to be the traditional service provider pays to deploy everything model that we've seen in previous previous generations. I think there's room for new people paying because they've got their own motivations. As long as we can do things like segmentation and security management and provisioning, then um, then that's going to be a fun sector. Fantastic, thanks, uh, Catherine or Simon. What about you in terms of helping your your customers build that? Build that business case. So I, I still think the OTIT marriage is 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 not um it's it's not a happy marriage yet. Um, okay. <laughs> what I see, what I very much see is um again I think I don't know if it was Des or Simon who said it. It's you know people are pretty happy with where where they are in the world, and moving them off of that off the unknown, uh, especially the OT off of what they know in the way that things are done, often to something new, whether it is better or not, is difficult. And marrying the OT and IT, I mean, the, the thing about a private network is a private network is custom tailored to the application. And that 
means, and sometimes the private network comes out, it gets installed, and unlike your standard 5G or whatever network, you don't just install it and leave it. You have to install it and you might have to tweak it, change it, um, uh, do a new protocol for a particular application. And I think in the OT world, they find that clunky and frustrating. And so I think the, the marriage of those two things, they have to get closer and more of an understanding uh, amongst themselves. And then there's, you know, developing the ecosystem and that includes more devices. And I think with the advent of the European Union saying that, you know, they're going to roll out 3.8 to 4.2 or somewhere in that world in most of the European countries, I think that will help our, our device ecosystem. Simon, do you agree? <laughs> devices is a volume game yeah. that, that, that it's just a straightforward thing that, that, that the more you can make the cheaper they'll be and you see that end to end that, that you know an industrial modem is still five times the price of a consumer one yeah and that and that's you know partly through features but just basically through volume as as, as you know one is made on in, in high volume manufacturing somewhere yeah, in in the Far East, and and the other is essentially handcrafted. I think we've got a lot, of, you know, the with the what's the the vibrant competition between vendors like Des and myself. That the, 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 there is there is you know there's been a, fa a pretty good pressure on the prices. The the cores and and the and, and the networks and all the stuff around them are starting to be attractively priced through that side of the competition. The devices are still very expensive. Um, they're still carrying a massive premium, some from the new technology, but the basic one is volume. Um, so if the more that we can leverage the volume of consumer devices to build stuff out of, and, and you know, even if it's subsystems and boards and all the rest of it, you know, if you go and look on uh, for like adapters for Raspberry Pis, a 4G adapter is about 30 quid, a 5G adapter is about 500 quid, and that that really is is you know there's there's not that much difference in the chipset cost that's just a straight volume um yeah issue between between looking at, at the two that is a barrier and that will go away by itself as 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 this thing grows but when does it drop and you know that's that's you know probably one of the the interesting barriers um at the moment the other one i was just going to say is is there's too much choice <laughs> you know, do you, which radio technology, or do you use a piece of wire, and do you use this, and and mm -hmm. and and the 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 joy of having so many technology choices um, leads to decision paralysis, uh, mm -hmm. and 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 it's always slightly. You know, I think Des was mentioning at the beginning thing about you know the early adopters where price is an object will just go for it. Yeah. But everyone else is acutely aware that the prices are dropping. And if I wait till tomorrow, it'll be cheaper. So thinking now as we come to the end um, and looking ahead to the future, I'm really intrigued to know what, what's exciting you about private networks and some of the sectors perhaps set to benefit, what technologies they can adopt once they have their newfangled private network. And uh, yeah, some final thoughts to finish. Catherine, what, what, what would you like to say? I guess what's exciting me is, well, first of all, manufacturing definitely is exciting me because I think there's so much transformation that can and will happen in manufacturing that will, A, make it easier. Post-COVID or during COVID, we realized, you know, we needed more transformation in manufacturing. And I think the UK is definitely ripe for this, considering Brexit and all the other things that have been happening. We really need to be driving forward to that. Um, the other the other thing is, you know, at least on-site autonomous, and this is a little bit to do with manufacturing, autonomous guided vehicles. And I'm not talking about the ones on the public roads. I'm talking about the ones that will go and actually help <coughs> enable manufacturing to work better. Um, the other thing that I'm th um, absolutely excited about is trying to drive more transformation into things like ports and airports and really those technologies that will enable those things to happen that can be driven and sit on top of private networks and private 5G. I mean, there's pretty much nothing that I couldn't at one industry that I can't talk about. I think, um, you know, it really is a, a an exciting opportunity. And I think as Simon and Des said, we're right at the start of this. 
and you know the the world is our oyster it's um we're the people coming into the workforce are changing um they don't want to sit up on the top of a 40 meter key crane they'd rather sit behind a joystick and drive you know it's it's a different world so i'm really thrilled thanks sophie thanks catherine des what are your thoughts i think i'll go back to what i said at the beginning really which is you know they they're not that interested in what the technology is, but they, they they need to know how to consume it. They need to know how to operate it simply, uh, and it needs to be secure. You know, yeah. particularly in these um, the early use cases where there's a lot there's a lot riding on these networks. They've got to be secure and available, etc. So um, I think if we get them things right and we, we we deliver on on them them customer requests, then we're halfway there. Amazing. Thanks, Des. Simon. I'm looking forward to when we have this conversation next year in 12 yeah. months time that, that it just is that we're not talking about it. It's not it's not any, you know, we're, we're, we're busy talking about the next thing because this is just a viable technology option that when you want to connect things, you do A or B or C. And yeah. it's just one of the things that that is that is a and as a point, it's not the only way of connecting stuff, but it's it's an option and has its strengths and weaknesses, and it, and it's a great technology as part of the arsenal. And can we have some conferences talking about other things? <laughs> I'm, I'm all in, Simon. You 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 throw some suggestions over. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, no, not at all. That, thank you so much for that. That end note, really wonderful. And uh, yeah, let's wrap up there. Thank you so much for joining me today on Techie Case Podcast. Simon from Nokia, Catherine Selnex, Des from Cisco. Uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Sophie. So I'm delighted to be uh, joined today on the Tech UK podcast on private networks by Mike Kennett, who is a senior consultant and head of regulatory affairs at Freshwave and also a member of our Communications Infrastructure and Services Council. Uh, welcome, Mike. Great to see you uh, and thanks Thank for joining you, us today. Great and to uh, Great. Just to kick off then, uh, if you may just tell us a little bit about Freshwave and what you've been up to. Yes, so Freshwave, uh, we, we supply connectivity infrastructure as a service to enterprises. Um, we're also a neutral host operator, so we uh, work mostly uh, in the public mobile area, and that's in collaboration with uh, all four mobile operators. But we also do, we provide Wi-Fi services and now increasingly private mobile uh, for the last couple of years or so. Um, so neutral host, that means that the infrastructure is shared uh, for multiple uh, public uh, mobile services, and that provides cost savings for our customers and it's less disruption as well compared to each mobile operator putting their in their own uh, mobile infrastructure. Um, and in many cases, that same infrastructure can, can be shared with a private network as well, which you might come on to later. Fantastic. Thanks, Mike. Um, so thinking about our kind of topic of discussion today on the podcast, I'm just going to kick off with why do you need a mobile private network? Yeah, that, that's a, a good question. And uh, as Catherine mentioned on the, the, the panel session as well, um, the, the main thing is to have that control with a private network. So there's control over the, the network that includes coverage, uh, so you can decide exactly where you want coverage, quality of service, control over the devices, because only you can control exactly which devices can connect to that network, and also control over the data. So you don't have the data going off somewhere outside of your premises. For example, the data can stay on site, and that's very important for some organizations. Um, now you get some of that benefit with, with Wi-Fi, of course, but there are, sure. there are some you know, key benefits with private mobile, and that's where we're going to focus on uh, uh, today. Um, firstly, there's uh, there's a benefit of range, so you you need less infrastructure, sure. um, far fewer um, access points or, or, or radio nodes than with Wi-Fi. By by a factor of ten or so, in fact, I've seen quoted in in the case of ports, for example. Yeah. Um, secondly. Uh, you use dedicated licensed spectrum, unlike Wi-Fi. So 
Um, sure. No one else, you know, no one else is using that spectrum. It's it's unique to you, the enterprise. Um, uh, Wi-Fi, in contrast, uses unlicensed spectrum. That's often congested, and you you have no control over who's who's using that spectrum. Thirdly, mobility. Um, mm. The clue is in the name mobile. Uh, really, uh, mobile is designed for seamless connectivity as you move mm -hmm. from cell to cell or radio node to radio node uh, at up to 300 kilometers per hour. And wow. you can't do so on a train, you know, in the train rushing through Europe or wherever. Yeah. Uh, Wi-Fi, you know, you, you there's no way you could move at that kind of speed in a factory or, well, you wouldn't go at that speed in a factory, but uh, Wi-Fi has has it's more of a problem. It's not really designed for for roaming from or moving from access point to access point uh, okay. at high at high speeds. So, and sometimes that service will drop. Uh, there'll be some a delay as you move from one access point to another, mm -hmm. and you know that that can be a, a a real problem if you're rushing down a hospital corridor mm. and you want access to patient records and you get. Yeah, you, you get a drop there. That's that's not great. Um, so, and then finally, uh, the number of devices. Um, mobile is designed to have thousands of devices connected sure. simultaneously. Wi-Fi, really, you can get perhaps dozens, but but uh, nothing like those those numbers of simultaneous connections. Um, so those are the, the the real benefits that you can get from a private network. Fantastic, thank you. And you've, you've already touched on some really interesting use cases, so that's really fantastic. I think just to situate our conversation, um, you know, we're here in May 2022. Um, I'm intrigued to, to, to know from you what's happened in the kind of past two to three years for us to, you know, come to this point to be talking about private uh, networks. Yeah, indeed. Well, there's a couple of things really that, that have changed. The first one uh, uh, to mention is the core technology. In the old days, you know, the cores were built for mobile operators, public mobile operators. Uh, and uh, there, I think there's an anecdote from Lufthansa when they started off on this journey. Uh, they needed a core network for their private network that they wanted to, to use. Um, and the supplier uh, said, yeah, you can have this one uh, and uh, it can handle up to a million subscribers. It yeah. came in, a, came in a, an, a shipping container. You know, that's not really... Uh, appropriate. You need to scale down for sure. most enterprises. Uh, so that's the first development. And now that, that core technology is, is a piece of software that runs on a standard server. It's So it's really uh, easy to deploy. It doesn't right. take up much room. It's just what it, it can just be. It's one uh, unit in a rack unit in a, in a, in a rack, for example. The second thing, but which is the real game changer, is availability of spectrum. Yeah, that, that's really changed things, uh, and we'll we'll come on to a little bit, of perhaps about different types of spectrum, how how you get that spectrum. Sure. But but Ofcom in the UK has made back in 2019 they they made spectrum available for local access or shared access, mm. um, and and this the idea was that you could if you had uh, uh, if you had a need in a specific area, you could get that spectrum by a number of different means. Great. To come on to a moment. Uh, and that's really kicked off the whole private network. So spectrum is essential, of course, any wireless system needs mm. spectrum. Mm. And without spectrum, you can't can't operate a wireless service. So that that's the real game changer. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's that's what's really changed. And that's really kicked off this whole area this really exciting area with new opportunities absolutely yeah and, and obviously our our campaign week on private networks is really is really kind of pushing that message that you know the moment for opportunity is now as you say we've had these new spectrum options yes. made available in the uk and we want to make sure that we are helping our potential customers really uh you know understand the benefits and the opportunities so that yeah, they can all benefit so just diving in then what are some of those spectrum options that are available and how has this made a real difference? You talked yeah. about location, obviously. Yes. Important. So back in 2019, Ofcom uh, released a, a, a statement. They'd been doing some consultation with the industry and we were a little bit involved in that because we were we were the one, one of the first, we were the first adopter of one of these types of spectrum. Right. Um, 
but uh, so there are there are three main ways or the two two new ways that you can get spectrum there's one that's existed for for a while the two new ways is something called a shared access license and this is spectrum that's not used it's specifically for local use uses it's not sure. used by the mobile operators uh, and there there are there were there were four bands that were released four different spectrum bands that were released at that time um, now, since then, Ofcom has is now consulting on a fifth band, uh, an, another 5G band of spectrum. That's right. going to make a big difference. And now this week, they've released another consultation on mm. millimeter wave. And that's, mm. that's going to release potentially thousands of megahertz, potentially 3000 megahertz of additional shared access spectrum. So, so the, that's the, the, the first route is shared access spectrum sure and uh uh and you need to decide th which band the it'll vary which band is most appropriate depending on your particular use case mm -hmm. um the, the second route is something called a local access license and this is spectrum that's held by the mobile operators for as they have national licenses obviously yeah. so it is possible uh to to get hold of uh, um, some mobile operator spectrum, um, and that's right. in fact the route. That's the route that we're using for our uh, our commercial deployments at the moment. The ones that we're we're exploring uh, uh, and have up and running right now, which will come on right. to uh, a bit later. Um, but that crucially, that does require mobile operator approval, and that's where actually we have a a bit of an advantage because we have. Because of the work that we do in supplying and putting in uh, this neutral host infrastructure, um, which the mobile operators use into various buildings, we have sure. those relationships with the mobile operators already. So we're in a good mm. position to have those discussions with them, and uh, and that's worked really well for us um, for the, uh, the, the the holiday park use case, which we'll come on to later. So right. that's the, the the second route is so that's mobile operator spectrum, but requires their approval. The sure. third route, which we've also used, is which has been around for quite a while, um, is the innovation uh, license framework from Ofcom. So that's more appropriate for non-commercial uh, research type use cases. So we've, okay. we've used that as well, and uh, uh, but not not appropriate for for commercial deployments. But okay. but it's a it's a really good avenue. Um, for for uh, in in many cases and and we so we've that's the route we've used for some of the the research that we're doing currently in five G for example. Amazing, that's really that's really great. Thank you for for going through that. And of course, yeah, Spectrum very much the the lifeblood of of telecoms networks and wireless yeah. as, as you mentioned. So uh, that's really helpful um, to understand the options available now and how they've made a difference. Um, thinking about kind of technology type, you've touched on neutral hosts as well and, and and 5G. But I just wondered if you could expand on technology options for private networks and some of the kind of benefits of different technology types. Yes, and indeed. Uh, well, you'll notice we haven't really mentioned 5G very much so far. Of course. Um, so from, from our perspective, we don't start with the technology. We start with what's the problem that needs to be to be solved. And in, in some cases, that might be 5G. Other cases might be 4G. Um, it might even be Wi-Fi, and we we supply Wi-Fi as well. Sure. Uh, so so uh, so what we're looking for is the the most appropriate solution and the technology for that particular uh, to to maximise the business ben benefit really. Um, now, in the case of the holiday parks, um, 4G was the most appropriate uh, technology. Uh, 5G is is going to be is certainly going to revolutionise many. It's going to revolutionise revolutionise industry, for example, uh, in the future. But at the moment, it's fairly early days, and 5G is often uh, at, the, uh, at a price point which is not really, uh, which means it's not really viable in in many cases. So okay. so when it comes to 4G or 5G, yeah, we start with what's the problem that needs to be solved. Mm -hmm. and, and which is the one which is the right, right uh, technology for that particular solution. 
Fantastic. Um, so, so um, as I, as I said, uh, we, we're using 4G for commercial deployments, but we, yeah. you know we are involved in some really exciting 5G uh, um, uh, research, indoors and outdoors, um, sharing between multiple cores for various use cases. They're going to be really important in the future. Yeah, but absolutely. Often, often 4G for most of the or for a lot of the the uh, requirements that are coming to us now, 4G is often sufficient. So what, but what we do make sure is that whatever, if we put in 4G, that it is essentially 5G ready. So yeah. when when the time comes, if the time comes later, further down the line, that 5G is the, it, the price point comes down um, and, or there's more use cases, for example, then, uh, then we can easily change upgrade from 4G to 5G. Brilliant. And I think that that final piece, thanks, Mike, really touches on uh, that idea of how Tech UK members operating in the kind of private network space can help their customers with understanding um, the benefits as they build their business case and think, you know, longer term for that investment to pay off, you know, as you yes. as you deploy that private network, you know, for, for your first use case. And then as you see it come in and, and you realize the benefits, you can then sort of build, okay, well, what about if we upgrade in three years time and then we will be able to do xyz and adopt these newer technologies is that how you that how you approach it that's absolutely right absolutely right so so once the, the thing is to once the network is in there yeah. then it can be used for all sorts of uh, applications all sorts of use cases and yeah. then then there might be some uh, a need to to upgrade uh but you know we'll we'll work with the customer to figure out when is the the right time to do that and what are the new opportunities? Um, so, so yeah, so that that's our approach very much. Amazing. Um, so, it'd be great to understand a, a bit more about some of the private networks that Freshwave have deployed, just to help us paint the picture of how you approach it, how you work with your customer, um, what were some of the challenges, and how you overcame them. Yes. Okay. Thanks, Sophie. Well, uh, the first one I'd point to is is the holiday parks, which I've mentioned. Yeah. Uh, now, so this was uh, the the challenge there was how do you provide Wi-Fi coverage inside mm -hmm. caravans and lodges? Mm -hmm. um, what's the best way of doing that? So you can do that. You could do that by cables, running cables to every single lodge caravan, uh, for example. You sure. could put Wi-Fi outdoors. Those mm -hmm. were tried and didn't really. Uh, they were either far too disruptive, didn't provide the quality. Of service, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So the what we suggested um, uh, was that you use a, a private network for mm. the, essentially for the the Wi-Fi backhaul from each caravan to a central location, uh, and it's basically so instead of running cables, yeah. uh, we're using it as a as a kind of cable replacement, uh, and that works really well. So we've got that up and running operational and it's a service that we provide as well. Fantastic. So that's operational in already in five uh, holiday parks across the UK. Cool. And uh, and there are three more in the uh, design or build phase. So it's, it's become business as usual for us. Essentially. Great. So it's, we've got, we, we know exactly how to do that. Mm -hmm. um, importantly, we're working with other partners as well. So we, yeah. we, we're working with the, the the network, the providing the network, that's the, the part we understand well. We don't get so involved in the devices. We have partners that get, that get involved. So each caravan has a, a router, a 4G router in it. Great. Uh, and they're installed by, by our, our partner. Um, uh, so that's been really successful. That's using, interestingly, as I mentioned before, that's using this local access license route. So we're using mobile operator spectrum in those cases. Great. And the, the, the beauty of that is that these are generally in rural areas, obviously, these holiday mm -hmm. parks. Sure. And, uh, and the, the, the mobile operators uh, are happy to, to release, to allow us to use some of their spectrum because yes. it's, they don't need all of, it, all of that spectrum in those areas. More difficult to do in, in you know, urban areas. Sure. Um, but holiday parks, obviously, that's with the holiday parks. That's not such a, a problem. So that's a, that's a, a really interesting use case. It's, it's not because it's not one that you would find 
necessarily mm. if you look through uh the, you know the analysts and what are the, what are the the use cases to focus on yeah uh, it's very much leisure you know it's focused on leisure but it, yeah. it's still it's a it's a big there are um hundreds and hundreds of holiday parks in the uk so uh and it's something that can be applied to other other kinds of leisure scenarios for example as well so so that's the first one um that's now having of the, the other thing to bear in mind is having deployed a network in these holiday parks mm. primarily for that for providing wi-fi to the guests Mm. Um, the that network is also available for operational purposes outside the caravans so you oh. can put sim devices so we've got sims in the routers of, of yeah. course uh, you can put sims in mobile devices tablets that kind of thing so they can be used by facilities to for for and um, and for the, the cleaning the caravans the sales all of that kind of stuff um, can be used using the same network so so again that's an example of you know deploying the network first for one particular use case but then you can find actually you can use that same network for other other use cases so that's Brilliant. the first one yeah uh, the, the second one is a little bit more uh sort of uh, at the research end of the spectrum it's not yeah it's not a commercial fully commercial service at the moment but it's it's about railway maintenance uh and this is it's predictive maintenance uh, for in, in a railway type scenario. And this was working with uh, a company uh, called Pauli. Um, they specialize in digital twins, that, that kind of technology. So this is all about uh, uh, field engineers, for example, or engineers being able to having access to, to all the information they need in a railway scenario. So they can yeah. see using for example, wearing uh, Microsoft HoloLens mm -hmm. AR, using uh, HoloLens AR technology, they can see they've got access to, to manuals and diagrams, etc. Um, and it's a 3D environment. I've tried it myself. It's it's very impressive. You can you've got full control using using your hands. You've got full control over menus and that kind of thing. So you can bring yeah. up all the information you need um, on site. Uh, which is, you know, fantastic um, application. Now that was using 5G in that case, mm. and that was using shared access license, 5G shared access license. So, um, and there were a number of other partners in there, including HS1 and uh, uh, etc. So, you know, that's another exciting use case. And I think both of those will will be available. Sophie, I think uh, uh, both of those use cases will be available um, as part of this. Um, uh, week private networks week fantastic um, yeah in the future great so those are oh that's two use cases. really yeah. really interesting use cases thanks mike and um i think just to touch on the first one as you say uh the, the kind of holiday tourism leisure industry is you know crucial importance to uk economy and um nice. yeah to know that the benefits can spin for both the yeah the users as in the the guests, um, yes. but also the staff. I think that just shows the kind of flexibility of private networks. As you say, once once they're deployed, you can unpick more and more benefits as you as you continue the deployment. Yeah. So that's that's really great. And yeah, absolutely touching on um, the digital twins point on on the railway use case. I think absolutely, and um, such an interesting kind of benefit to understand as we see digital twins becoming more you know widely adopted and, and utilised, yes. which is fantastic. Yes, and I think there's one one other thing I'd I'd, I'd add, add as well uh, is the the flexibility that you have with a private network. So I know there's a lot of emphasis from, for example, um, vendor diversity, etc. Sure. from from DCMS, and mm. uh, these technologies, private mobile technologies, enable uh, new vendors to enter the market. So mm. that can be uh, radios, radio vendors, and and core vendors, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and that's great for diversifying the uh, the um, the industry, uh, mm -hmm. the supply chain, and and you know that I think that's very important going forwards as well. Absolutely, okay, fantastic. Well, um, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you, Mike, and I'm been so fascinated to understand a bit more about what Freshwave has been doing. And yeah, thank you so much for joining us today on the Tech UK podcast. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you, Sophie.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tech UK podcast on private networks. If you're interested in reading more, head to our website to download our practical user guide, published as part of our Future Private Networks campaign. 